You're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello, Rock Bottom Radio is on the air with show number 14. I'm Randy Wilson, but hey, we're all friends here, so you can call me Willie. Everything here is tickety-boo, and we hope everything's going great for you, too. We had a hard, cold winter here, a super wet spring with no sunlight, but hey, no worries. Let's all just keep driving on. Today's topics will include skeletal golf theory and why it's important, Rock Bottom gets a corporate makeover, we'll tell the truth about collecting and weighing clippings, and we'll also talk about that new spray out there. We have a consultant story, and we have the winner of the Turpentine Corncob Award. Also in story time, we reveal how a time-honored golf maintenance tradition was almost driven to the point of extinction, except at smart clubs. I got up a little early today, about 04, and I came in early so I could talk to you about something special. It's kind of hard to keep a train of thought once the crew and the golfers show up, so I'm taking advantage of the pre-dawn quiet. Before I get started, I'd like to remind you turfnetters, the smartest people in the golf industry, that the Turfnet Forum is the most civilized gathering place to share information in all of golf. Visit the Turfnet Forum and pass on your knowledge. Don't worry, you won't need a flame-retardant suit like on those other places. We're more like Little House on the Prairie than those families on Jerry Springer. Also, Rock Bottom Radio is sponsored by Vinyl Guard for Golf. One of those products that can save you money and time on your weather-exposed items like rake handles, signposts, flagsticks, and the rest. Given our current weather patterns, Vinyl Guard is a skeletal golf theory must. Okay, time to answer two recurring questions here at Rock Bottom Country Club. Every time we run a piece on skeletal golf theory, folks ask, what is skeletal golf theory? Now, most of you already practice a form of SGT and are quite skilled at it, so I'll be brief on that one. But the second question will require a little more detail. That question is, why? I always get one or two calls from someone asking, why do we waste time on an obsolete concept like skeletal golf theory? Well, I grew up on bare bones golf. Minimal irrigation, mowing wall to wall with a gang mower. That means mowing fairways as wide as you could go in order to avoid lots of rough mowing. You know, we were trying to make it friendlier for the golfer. In those days, it took skill and practice to make the ball fly straight, not like today's Adderall ball. We mowed at 5 eighths, which was perfect for most players because they couldn't pinch the ball like skill golfers. They needed a surface that accepted more of a sweeping swing. We mowed fairways, tee surrounds, tee tops, green surrounds, and collars with the same unit. We mowed in the afternoon, working in the gaps between golfers because that minimized the clippings. Mowing in the morning meant hay clippings because we didn't have PGRs. Actually, we didn't even have a spray rig until our fifth golf course, so mowing wall-to-wall was critical in staying ahead of the grass. Dedicated rough units didn't show up for us until about 73, so most rough was bush hog country, and at four inches, that meant golfers didn't find balls. As TV permeated golf society, we followed along, eventually mimicking the TV look, which meant separate mowers for tees, tee surrounds, rough, secondary rough, bunker surrounds, bunker faces, collars, approaches, and those lightweight fairway units that help stripe fairways. 
Stripes down here required winter overseeding, which brought its own problems with it, and things kept getting more complex. When bentgrass arrived in the Deep South, it was more socially acceptable and completely illogical, but it remained until ultra-dwarf Bermuda appeared in the late 90s. So does SGT mean a return to all that? No, that genie's out of the bottle. But what SGT does mean is a contingency plan, in place, in the event of a financial problem, whether it's a local situation, like when your club gets in trouble from borrowing too much money in order to build a shiny clubhouse to rent out for weddings, or whether it's an across-the-board economic downturn. Now, when I designed Rock Bottom Country Club, it was specifically to survive an economic downturn. And within six years, that downturn, which was more like a crash, that, you know, the one that began with the Lehman Brothers, it just kept on spiraling in. Every single course in the neighborhood of Rock Bottom was in trouble, either being sold or going into some kind of bankruptcy or some other indicator of bad financial preparation. But not Rock Bottom. In fact, because of SGT, Rock Bottom actually picked up more players, especially those priced out of their club or the CCFAD golf lifestyle. Although I evolved from bare bones golf, skeletal golf is different. It's a contingency plan. There's a film coming on that topic. Anyway, SGT is a way to prepare for operating with reduced budgets. And if you get absorbed by a big corporate entity, well, that'll all come true. At your first meeting with the new owners, you'll probably hear, you need to reduce your budget by 10%. You might even hear that for the first five years, along with, you need to improve your grooming standards. And there'll be other such silliness. My favorite mantra from the corporates was, do more with less, which is absolute BS. Every year it was more with less. Faster greens, more overseed, more customer service, greener everything, more flowers. And so the modern version of SGT was born during the years I was hornswoggled into serfdom at two foreign-owned corporate courses. Began in 84, which incidentally was just two years before the Augusta Syndrome first appeared. That first course was the typical Lazarus Project. Dead on the table, 180 leaks in the fairways, bent greens on clay push-ups, no working equipment. You get the picture. The only thing they did have was a massive pile of junk parts which helped us to Frankenstein a mower or two back together and assemble a handful of old Rainbird 4151s in order to bring the bentgrass back. We bought two Honda four-wheelers because they were half the price of one of the turf vehicles of the time. Turf machines in those days were actually better suited to a smooth factory floor, not a narrow, overgrown course with cart paths so heavily rooted up that it was unsafe to even walk on them. We began to find ways to provide a good playable surface for golf by either hybridizing techniques from our previous bare bones methods with the current equipment, or by doing something unconventional, like using bicycles to get around, when all that was required was our presence. The second course was more like a slim pickings roll in a movie. Uh, not blazing saddles, although it was close. No, it was that roll where Slim rides the atomic bomb. I'm not talking about that course, though, because my therapist says it always sets me back. Anyway, I realize SGT is not new to veteran superintendents. SGT is aimed at the next wave of golf course operations specialists, those not around during the crash of 08 or the cycle of recessions dating back to 73. Speaking of 73, that's back when we had a difficult time even getting gasoline to mow the greens with, and not to mention the total disappearance of oil-based fertilizers and sprays, and that leads me to the second question, why? 
Why talk about lowering budgets when everyone has spent so much time getting budgets expanded? There's something to talk about right there. I have suspected for many years that the turf schools and possibly some alphabets teach some kind of class on budget expansion as the cosmic truth. I had guys coming out of school telling me that not pushing the financial envelope was tantamount to failure. Golf must prepare to operate in a significantly altered financial environment, just in case. In addition to the trend of the average age of golfers getting older, I won't offer stats here because of how easily stats are manipulated, but from my own personal observations, I would guess the average age of golfers I see has to be around 67 at lower club levels and nearing 80 years old at high-budget country clubs. And you know, at 80, folks take up croquet. A few days ago, I saw a Golf Channel program explaining how Generation Z was interested in top golf, simulator golf, and video game golf, but actually out on the turf golf? Well, not so much. So with fewer potential players, and another regularly occurring problem, namely the cycle of recession about due, it's important to prepare to weather a period of tighter budgets, less revenue. Or you can just keep spending in order to keep up with the competition, who, by the way, might be suffering worse than you but trying to hide it, hoping you'll crack first. That's the way endurance races work. Everyone puts on their runner's face, but inside they're wondering if you're hurting too or faking like they are. Anyway, let's not just follow others blindly down the trail. Take some precautionary measures, because it's usually the point man that runs into the grizzly bear. Okay, earlier this week, Mama called a mandatory staff meeting and everybody showed up. Well, except for Buddy. He's exempt from anything mandatory on account he's the equipment manager, so he just does whatever he wants. Anyway, we all gathered in the pro shop. Okay, everybody, Mama will be here in a minute or two, so settle down, grab a chair. Hey, Willie, what's this all about? I got Marshall in the do. Well, that booth means is he's got important ball hawking to get to. It's almost time for his first golf cart nap of the day. You shut up. Well, we all got work to do. Who's gonna start the golfers if I'm stuck in here? Yeah, I got to change batteries in eight carts. Ain't got time for this foolishness. Just hang on, probably won't take but a minute. Mama's gonna fire somebody, I just know it. All right, listen up. I'll make this quick. Ludell took a class in corporate golf consulting, and now he's going to give us a free corporate makeover. Hey, Mama, why are you doing this? Well, after visiting that disco honky-tonk driving range, I realized we might need a little help competing against all these transnational corporations. Mama, so, you can't say trans anything nowadays. You're going to get us in trouble. Shut up, Bubba. Anyway, in a few minutes, we're going to get some advice on branding, socialist media, and some other stuff. Ain't nobody branding me. Hello, everyone. I'm here to talk about business analytics and image massage. Is your hair supposed to be blue like that? I think Ludell been in California living in some kind of alternate reality. Hey, surfer dude, you do know this isn't Colorado, right? That stuff ain't legal here. Okay, the uh, first thing we're going to learn is how to properly answer the phone. I called yesterday and somebody mumbled golf course into the phone. Well, it was me. Uh, it's been working fine for 40 years. I uh, can't do that anymore. All right, now everybody repeat after me. Hello, this is, and then say your name. 
No, I meant say your name and then say the name of the club. Oh, and by the way, we have to change the name of our club. It's unattractive to Generation Z. Is that like a zombie thing? Search engine parameters dictate we use names that denote product identification. Let's try uh, Lavender Cupcake Golf Club. Okay, what's next? Wait, what the hell did you just do? Well, just change the club name on our website. We got a website? Yes, and our logo is screaming for a big change. We got a logo? I ain't heard no screaming. You will soon. All right, I'm crafting us a new logo. Next, we'll raise green fees from $10 to walk 18 holes to us uh, just at uh, $54 with mandatory carts. Also, we'll need to install GPS receivers and some subwoofers in the carts. I'd rather listen to a tub grinder than that subwoofer noise. I have taken the time to establish quantifiable performance measurement standards. They'll be on your uh, weekly performance appraisal. Quantifiable what? Uh, Cletus, don't worry. That's just business consulting gibberish. It helps dazzle and baffle the ordinary folks and justify their fees. Okay, the price change is done. Ordered audio systems for the carts and come up with a non-offensive logo. This one has tulips crossed over muffins. Has anybody got any Pepto-Bismol? Okay, from now on, no more unaccompanied children out on the golf course. It's a big liability. We gotta require an adult in each group so our revenue goes up by 25%. Those aren't children, that's the crew. They mow rough and trade for free golf. I mean, where do you think the next generation of golfers and crew are going to come from if we don't get kids involved? Uh, notifying child protective services. That reminds me, we're going to need to upscale things a bit here. We'll start with parking lot valets, bag boys, four caddies, and, uh, and let's set up customer service suggestion box on your email here. Wait, wait, that fella at Canongate tried that, and all he did was get the members competing for who could find the most to complain about and get something free for it. Right. We need to set up as many free giveaways as possible. I've heard enough. Get out, Ludell. Oh, yeah. That frying pan reminds me of something, old woman. This hot dog carousel ain't gonna work for us. We need artisanal food. They say poison food. Food's already poison around here. Get out. Oh! Dad, come in. I think you broke something, old woman. Notifying police and emergency medical services. This type of behavior is the very reason why our club is so far behind. By behind, you mean why we're the only course around here not in debt? Uh, notifying the IRS. You best get on down the road. Uh, notifying Uber. Mama, you want me fetch some pitchforks? I'll get the torches. Buddy's got some hot tar in his truck. All we need is for somebody to rip open a feather pillow and it's home. Nobody's getting feathered. Naboo, get out there and get to marshalling. Femi, you get back in the kitchen. Cletus, change them batteries. Ludell, go fix that head on number seven. Willie, don't answer the phone like you illiterate. Say it's a beautiful day at the Rock Bottom Country Club Continual Debutante Gala. You know, Ludell's class kind of reminded me of that story about that sheep herder out minding his rather large flock when a fellow wearing an expensive suit drove up in a BMW and said, Hey, bet I can tell you exactly how many sheep you have. If I can do that, you give me one sheep of my choosing. And the sheep herder said, Well, okay. 
The fellow hopped out of his BMW, whipped out a laptop, some charts and graphs and a calculator, and he launched a drone that flew all over the mountain. And within a few minutes, he said, you have exactly 453 sheep. Then the fellow smiled, strutted over, and chose a sheep, loaded it in his car, and prepared to drive off. Wait a minute, the sheep herder said. If I can tell you exactly what you do for a living, can I have her back? Well, I guess so, said the fellow in the BMW. What do I do for a living? Well, you're a consultant, said the sheep herder. That's amazing. How did you know? Well, you showed up uninvited, demanded payment to tell me something I already knew in a field you know nothing about. Now, give me my dog back. Okay, because of the big decrease in common sense last few years, we've received a tremendous amount of nominations for the Turpentine Corncob Award. Therefore, we will now be awarding the Turpentine Corncob Award on a quarterly basis rather than annually. And also, we will be making it public instead of secret. Competition was stiff this quarter, what with all those internet golf experts in rare form, but the overwhelming winner this quarter is... Hand me the envelope, please. Uh, here I voted twice because Reitman and Kiger wouldn't respond. Okay, for the Turpentine Corncob Award, the Dorm Deniers. That billionaire and his toadies who oppose dorm units for workers on their golf course. Because they don't want normal folks like us to live near them. So listen up there, Mr. Silver Spoon Silk Drawers. When us ordinary folk can no longer afford to live close enough to work at your special little paradise, then we will stop working there. We have had it with the hour commutes up dangerous mountain roads in the dark or riding ferries that mean we have to get up at 04 and not get home till after dark. Hey, keep it up and soon you can give actual work a try. See how long your dainty little hands will last pulling maintenance on your golf course. Bunch of overprivileged upper crust. The TCC award is in the mail with instructions for use. Okay, on to the latest golf fetish, weighing grass clippings. Recently, Mark Hoban noticed one of his mowers was getting twice the weight of the other mower. When he investigated, he found the height of cut to be exactly the same. The rollers were the same size. The age of the reels were the same. Bed knife measurement was the same. It was a huge mystery. Now, I suggested he weigh the triplex operator because if that one operator weighs 350 pounds and the other, well, anyway. Mama suggested maybe the irrigation cycles were different on each side of the course, but that wasn't it. The mystery was solved when, during close observation, it turned out that the mower was gently slipping into transport, thus altering the frequency of cut. Ludell wanted to go on the forums and ask if anybody else was experiencing mowers slipping into transport while mowing, but I told him not to try that unless he went on the TurfNet forum. See, on the TurfNet forum, we're just a big happy family. There's no need for the asbestos suit. It's just friendly and informative. If you get flamed on TurfNet, well, either the maestro will discipline the offender or worse, mama will deal with it. Then the perpetrator has to deal with concussion protocol and getting resized for his hats. You know, I think some of these folks on these golf forums must be hockey and football referees. It's like they have a deity complex. Referees in their unilateral don't-question-me attitude has severely damaged sports over the last decade or so. It's to the point where I stopped watching and coaching. Hey, there's a sales rep down at the barn wants to talk to you about a new wonder spray that controls weeds. What's it called? Uh, Dicomba. That's not new. You must have heard him wrong. That was one of the three ingredients of Agent Orange back there in Vietnam. Well, maybe he said... No, we quit using... 
back in 88. You know, it turns boy frogs into girl frogs. Kind of like studying liberal arts does now. You remember when we sprayed the course with that stuff one winter and suddenly we all had the urge to shop for shoes and matching handbags? Yeah, I do. You ordered the crew uniforms that year from a bridal catalog. I never hated wearing pink taffeta so much. It was noisy and then them fake little roses kept falling off into the reels and... Ludell, get down to the shop and help, buddy. That robot he was building turned on him again and he's trapped in the tool room. I wish he'd give up on that robot stuff. Yeah, I heard the government loosened up on the H-2B so we can hire foreigners due to the lack of qualified workers. There's no lack of workers, there's a lack of pay. At $10 an hour, after you pay taxes and mandatory health insurance, you don't have enough left to rent a dumpster to live in. It's story time. Back in the ancient times, golf courses were closed on Mondays to help us do the big projects, like fertilizing fairways and then watering it in or taking on a major irrigation repair. I know this sounds utopian to those of you raised on golf with no let up, 24-7-365. And now with LED lights mounted on every single machine, we'll have no rest time at all. Thanks, Hector, for teaching the golf world how to install lights on everything. Won't be long before pro shops will be selling third generation night vision devices complete with internal range finders to golfers and then they'll be selling tee times round the clock. But I veer off topic. Anyway, in those days we only had one problem and that was because on quite a few golf courses the golf pro was in charge of everything, including the schedule of agronomic practices. I know it sounds crazy, but just ask any superintendent older than 60. So what would happen is the golf pro would ignore whatever we had planned and he would invite a bunch of his buddies to come over and play, unannounced. They enjoyed tromping through airification plugs left drying on the green or, or they liked to put the tee markers back while we were mowing and they'd yell things like the dew was getting their cuffs wet and, oh my favorite, it's when they encountered a sprinkler head that threatened their carefully styled hair in powder blue cashmere sweaters they would force a wooden tee into the sprinkler's impact device. That froze the head in just one position until they could walk by or hit the ball unmolested. Then, of course, they left the head stuck in that one place until we came along and discovered it. They justified this by saying, well, that's what you get paid for, stop complaining. They also took offense to finding the irrigation surf digging holes in the fairway and often took careful aim at the aforementioned archaeological dig site. Normal golfers made it dangerous to work in the rough, but pros could actually hit it down the middle, so it was scary to work centerline irrigation in those days, and centerline was all we had. Like many others of that era, I positioned a three-wheel Cushman in front of the hole, along with a sheet of half-inch plywood to protect me from grounders hit by the pros, specifically to scare me. The modern ball won't fly low at great speed like the old-time ball. It'll only launch high and long, but... That old ball would come screaming under the Cushman, forcing us to foxhole, which brought great waves of laughter from the tee. The plywood ruined their fun, so they took to using wedges, like mortars throwing indirect fire. They'd hit it straight down on top of us, and it required us to cower underneath our plywood armor. And of course, things escalated over time. While we were verticating prior to top dressing and pulling cores, the pros replaced the flagpoles that we had left out, and of course they left them in, thus requiring us to pull the cup again and do the newspaper thing again. And without being given orders, I grabbed a bunch of plugs from the nursery, 
Got ahead of them on the back nine and plugged every single hole I could, carried off the flagpoles and waited for the wailing and gnashing of teeth. The pro then instructed Dad to either kill me or give me Mondays off. The following Monday, I sat on the deck, we lived on the seventh hole, and watched the approach of the golf pros. They were having a wonderful time wreaking havoc upon the crew trying to get some spray out, at least until I rolled out my 400-watt guitar amp with four 12-inch JBL speakers onto the deck, turned them up to 11, and went full Jimi Hendrix whenever they tried to swing, putt, or think. Eventually, the golf pros began to play somewhere else on Mondays. It could have been the counter-harassment, or perhaps other golf courses were more fun for them, but it might have been about the same period that my brother Mike and my own self began to study rocket science. We repeatedly launched model rockets into the sky over the golf course on Mondays, and we learned a great deal of rocket science. Probably the most important thing we learned was how terrifying rockets were if they didn't have parachutes in them. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.